with interesting people in front of my mic today. I have David Gremmels from the Rogue Creamery, otherwise known as Mr. Blue. Yes. I did not know your name was Mr. Blue. It's been Mr. Blue for about a decade of now. Course. That came to me while I was in Tokyo. Um, serving cheese, demoing cheese at FoodX. Nice. And a number of our Japanese customers just had a hard time saying Grimmel's son. So they'd say oh. Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. Is yeah. that easier for, for them to say? Much easier. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've known you for a very long time. We have known each other for say nearly two decades. <laughs> yeah. I know. What? <laughs> Nearly two decades. How is that even possible? It's possible. Oh, my gosh. It's been so great. It really has been great. And I actually, I met you because in, when was it, 2002? Right. You guys, um, you bought the creamery. Moved forward and acquired the creamery from Ignacio Vela mm -hmm. in 2002. And we had that glorious interview in front of a we cheese did. cave door. We did. When, when that was the... That was little old Rogue Creamery, wasn't it? It was, it was. And so um, just a treasure along Interstate uh, 99. I know. I and cannot believe it. Always a discovery every time. And today, wow. Mm -hmm. How We're going to talk a lot about evolved. today, then and now. Um, but first, David Gremmels. Where are you from originally? Olympia, Washington. You're a Washington boy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because this is the place my family vacations. I don't know if I've ever shared that with Southern you. Southern Oregon. Southern Oregon, the Rogue River Valley. Really? To get out of the constant gray, that misty rain mm -hmm. of western Washington. My mm -hmm. family used to come here and vacation and fly fish and hike. And Where's Olympia in comparison to Seattle? It's about an hour and a half south. Oh, okay. So it's it's nearly about an hour and a half north of Portland. Gotcha. So it's just stones throw right in the center and also right along the I-5 corridor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what did mom do? Oh, she was an esthetician and she was also our farm manager and she managed my father's business as well. She was just a terrific mom. She's a. I, I actually got to meet your mom. Yeah. Um, had lunch with her a few times. She adored you and the loved you. Incredible woman. And the sweetest. The yeah. sweetest woman. And what did dad do? Uh, he was an electrical and building contractor. Okay. So he would create just beautiful homes for mm -hmm. um, people looking to uh, establish their roots in western Washington. Uh, did you grow up with siblings? I did. A sister named Sandy. Mm -hmm. Sandy lives in Oahu. Really? Yeah, she's fell in love in Oahu, I think, just after her 18th birthday um, with an individual there mm -hmm. and also with the islands. I think so. Yeah. And just said, see you later, Washington. She, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. Um, what was it like growing up in Olympia? Oh, it was such a great lifestyle. I had such a charm childhood. Mm -hmm. I was raised on a farm, uh, raising registered pulled Herefords and growing a garden organically and uh, just really uh, charmed. And uh, it was really um, a great lifestyle, uh, I didn't magical realize, lifestyle. I didn't realize you've been pretty much farming almost your entire life. I have, yeah. And so my father came from a farming background, as did my mother as well. So uh, family was really connected to growing their own vegetables mm -hmm. and their own uh, meats as well, chickens and pigs and uh, livestock. 
Dairy cows? Uh, beef cows at that beef time. Beef cows, okay. So my grandfather was a dairyman. He uh, had a dairy up in Big Stone Lake, Minnesota. Hmm. So did you know him? I did. I did. I milked my first cow with him. So oh fond, gosh. fond memories of that day. I wonder what Grandpa would say of what you're doing right now. Oh, my gosh. He would be so proud. I bet. Yeah, he would be so proud. I bet. He was looking for one of his sons to take the family dairy, but none of them mm-hmm. stepped up to that plate. And uh, What were you like in high school? Let's see. Well... I, I did about everything in high school. Mm-hmm. I really loved high school, um, from leadership to theatrics to track to uh, the ski team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved high school. Awesome. Who'd you run with? Um, the cross country was really um, my thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, and then who was your crew? My crew in high school? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. So it's so fun that you mentioned that. They actually came down to visit me in Ashland, Oregon, about two weeks ago, just around the hall. Your high school buddies? They did, yeah. That's amazing. So I missed our 40th, yes, our 40th high school reunion. Can you believe it? And uh, so a group gathered and said, hey, we're going to come down and visit. So it was a lovely reunion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Susie uh, Moores, uh, Mm -hmm. one of my dearest friends and neighbors, uh, came down with uh, a group. Um, She gathered and they uh, carpooled and we met up in Ashland for an evening of memories sharing memories and and lots and lots of laughter that's the best that's absolutely the best when you you said your family used to vacation in the rogue valley yes where'd you where would you guys come oh we we would um we would travel down from olympia washington and we'd go right to ashland and we'd Hmm. either camp at immigrant lake or one of the state parks along the rogue river Mm -hmm. and we hit the shakespeare festival and um, just walk the streets of Ashland and That's Jacksonville so cool. and um, and take some hikes along the Rogue River, fly fish along the Rogue River, as well as um, the lower Klamath. So you, I know you grew up fishing, and you also kind of grew up hunting. I did. Bird hunting, Yeah, right? bird hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. upland bird hunting. Okay. So I have some phenomenal German short hairs that are trained up for bird hunting. I've it's met some of some of your short hairs. You have. Yep. I currently have Diana and Diva and Augustus. Okay. I haven't met Augustus or Diva. Uh, Diva. I yeah. have met Diana. You have. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're just so... Um, they're amazing dogs. <laughs> they're they're one of the great versatile dogs. They're, mm-hmm. they're great water dogs, um, tracking dogs, of course, retrieving dogs, mm-hmm. and they're just great family dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you grow up with? German I did. Shorters? I grew up with German short hairs. Did you grow up bird hunting too, like with your dad? I grew up or? bird hunting and fly fishing, a lot of outdoor activities yeah. and camping with my dad. Um, what did you do after high school? After high school, I went on to university in Parkland, Washington. So okay. just a stone's throw from. Uh, Olympia, Mm -hmm. and I attended Pacific Lutheran University. I was halfway in between my parents' farm in Olympia and my grandparents' house in Tacoma, Washington. So it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? Wow. It took a while for me to figure that out, but I decided that um, I wanted to become a business person. Okay. So I was really 
um, taken by uh, John Nordstrom's story. He came to our university and he spoke to our marketing class and shared his story working from the ground up. And, uh, and I thought that was just a perfect journey. Um, and what a great story. So frankly, that was my first job working at Nordstrom. Really? Yeah. Doing what? What were you doing there? Oh, my gosh. I was doing display work and working in men's furnishings. Men's furnishings are everything from bow ties and pocket mm-hmm. squares and mm-hmm. socks. And then I worked myself into men's suits in store one. Okay. In the downtown store. And, uh, and then I decided to venture out and explore my creativity. And okay. What does that mean? <clears throat> well, uh, I grew up in the crafts. Uh, working alongside my father and um, learned how to build cabinetry and furniture mm-hmm. and was uh, really enjoyed that part of life and uh, working with my hands. So um, I opened a furniture company, building custom furniture. Where did you open that? In Seattle, Washington. Okay. Had a little studio there and created the D.L. Grimmel's line of furniture for friends and family and friends of friends. Right. So, yeah. So when did you, did you decide Nordstrom's just wasn't for you? Or? Oh, you know, it, it, it still is. I love Nordstrom's. Mm-hmm. I love shopping there. Um, I love the attitude, right? The customer's always mm-hmm. right there. And uh, the customer service is just the highest bar of all bars. So I learned a lot from Nordstrom and I took that formula into furniture but I also took that formula uh, along my journey as well as a formula my father gave me which is always do the right thing and always be gracious Mm, that's good that's good stuff well you're very stylish well thank you you are you always have been um when did you have you always been a fan of bow ties Oh, I've always been a fan of bow ties. My grandfather wore a bow tie occasionally. Mm-hmm. My father wore a bow tie occasionally. And so it's just like German short hair pointers. It's, it's, I think it's just part of who it's I of am. It's yeah. part of you. My DNA, my makeup. And you can tie those yourself. Right, right. As oh. I did this one. How and this long one. did it take you to learn how to tie a bow tie? Oh, my gosh. I think I just woke up and one day <laughs> tied a bow tie watching my father and grandfather. Well, if it's in you, then you, just, <laughs> you better know how to do it. Yeah. And this one was a little difficult because, as you can see, it's thick. Yes, it's got some it velvet. It has some velvet. On so, one side. Yeah. So one tie, and mm-hmm. that's where I leave it. And do a little adjustment. Of course. You know, it's always the imperfections that make a bow tie stylish. I was just going to say that exact same thing. So you took this idea, this formula, when you were working at Nordstrom's and... (laughs) I love this cup. David likes my coffee mug. It's yours. My mug's on a mug. I would honor having... Let me say, I would be honored having this It is yours. Cup. I would do a pour over every morning (laughs) with this cup. So fancy. Um, So you decided, working with your dad that you wanted to open a furniture store. Right, right. And you did this in Seattle. I did, What year was this? Oh, my gosh. That was 1987. And you're making legit, like, dining room tables. Dining room tables, uh, dining room chairs, uh, side tables, 
armoires, yeah. uh, beds, yeah, you name it. Wow. Yeah, I built it all for the home, and I'd also Just design you? it. I had a great team that actually worked alongside of me, mm-hmm. so it was a great one, lifestyle. How does one open a furniture <clears throat> store? Do you just, I mean, because you have the business side, right? Right. So you know how to run a business, but did you just say, this is what I want to do, I need to find some space, I need to find the money to get it started, and then voila? Well, I kind of voila it first. <laughs> I, You know, you open a door and, uh, and things just start to open up, right? And so I just established my... Um, shop and hung a sign outside that said I was open, mm-hmm. D.L. Grimmel's furniture, and mm-hmm. and then one thing led to another, and I was designing furniture for, as I said, friends and family, but also uh, people who would just walk by yeah. my studio, and also doing hand-painted wall coverings and murals, and it was great. Yes, I know. You were doing that. Yes. I didn't realize you were painting murals. Right, landscapes. I still love to do an occasional plein air landscape today. You're quite creative. Mm, I, you know, my mind is always racing with ideas and things to do. I have a stack of things on my list to get done. So um, I knew you made furniture, but I don't think I realized that you did. You painted murals. Yes, and you did this for clients, for customers? I, yeah, I did, wow. yeah, That's for particularly their dining rooms to yeah. paint a landscape on one side of a dining room. Mm-hmm. I had a great mentor. His name was Chet Spaulding, so he taught me how to do that. In Seattle? In Seattle. He was masterful. And another mentor named Robert Lavinia. Okay, so, awesome. Yeah. How long did you have this furniture store? Oh, my gosh. For nearly a decade, and what happened was really interesting. Um, one thing led to another, and I started designing hard goods for um, catalog mail order companies and actually doing prototypes and accessories, side tables, uh, table lamps, mm-hmm. and, and side chairs and benches and stools and such, and found myself traveling the world from Argentina to Indonesia having these made for these mail order companies. Wow, that's so pretty amazing. It, it just really unfolded, and it was quite, quite fun. And I landed my feet in all places in Park City, Utah, and was working for a mail order company called Sundance and really enjoyed the culture and the people and uh, felt like it could be home for a while. Park City, Utah. Park City, Utah. Sundance was like a, a mail order company. So like I would get a catalog to, and right, I would right. look through and your stuff would be in there. Yeah, the stuff I designed or sourced and yeah, it hmm. was really great fun. And interestingly enough, that's how I got here uh, because the senior VP of marketing for Sundance got recruited by a company called Bear Creek Corporation. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Yeah, very familiar. Well, before we get to Bear Creek Corporation, back up a little bit. When you're making this furniture, um, what was some of your, what what was like one of your best pieces, you think? Oh, I, you know, I really enjoyed doing occasional pieces, uh, accessories, side tables, and and room dividers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... 
boy, if I were to think back at You have my a table favorite. in your house, mm-hmm. the round table yeah. up front. Isn't you that made, grand? I did. You made I that. made that. Yeah. yeah. So is there any piece that you look back on that you just think, man, that was such a great piece? Mm. I think that's one that I just love. It's mm-hmm. a grand entry table. It isn't that big. It's just no. the statement. It's, it's gorgeous. thick wood mm-hmm. on top and then with the uh, beautiful uh, metal base to it that's rusted and then mm-hmm. finished very natural. I like to study space so and materials. So there's lots of space in the base, lifting the uh, diameter of the tabletop and it, it gives it elevation, but it also really highlights the materials. How yeah. much of your dad is in your furniture making? Oh, totally. Really? Yeah, I was totally inspired by his work and working alongside of him. I, I really learned the craft of, um, of building furniture and, mm-hmm. and, um, and using my hands to work on the farm, which mm-hmm. I still to do today. and it's pretty cool. And garden, so I, I love um, the crafts. Um, you could pop, I mean, you could say your parents are, you know, obviously, everything you do now is a, a bit of, of your folks. Absolutely. From entertaining and cooking, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in and out. It's just like, it, it, it really represents her style of going to the fridge and looking at the fridge and assessing what's in there and looking at the pantry and coming up with a meal. Something. Yeah. I and like it. so that's how I love to cook. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to grow my own garden mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just create a meal from start to finish uh, in my own kitchen and, mm-hmm. and celebrate that with friends. Yeah. So you're working for this company in Park City and you said the vice president? Yes. Uh, his name is Don Morrison. He got recruited by Bear Creek Corporation. Okay. And he looked at me and said, David, you know, there are people in your life that I call keepers, and you're one of them. <gasps> and uh, it just really touched me. And he said he would call me in a day. No, in a year, in a day. <laughs> well, what was his name? What was his name? Don Morrison. Don Morrison. So he got recruited to Southern Oregon to work for? Bear Creek Corp. Okay. And then in a year and a day, he called me. Seriously, a he year and a day? He seriously called me, asked me to come out and interview, and uh, I was hired by Bear Creek Corporation in 1999. Wow. What did you do for Bear Creek Corporation? I was uh, vice president of product design and development. I did so. not know this about you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I led that charge until I decided that I didn't know my next-door neighbor. I I love my work, and mm-hmm. I, I love working, but what was missing was getting to know my community. Mm-hmm. And so lots of travel and um, a great group of people there at Harry and David. Um, but I decided I needed to open a wine and cheese bar, create a yes. third place. You were you were living in Ashland at the time? I was, Okay. Yeah. Um, so this was, what year is this? This is around 2002? This is around 2002, yeah. And why a wine and cheese bar? <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be the easiest formula mm-hmm. to create and also bring people in the door to really sit down and enjoy and have conversation and just create that 
third place, um, away from work, away from their home, and to gather and enjoy. And I thought it would be a great way to meet my neighbors. So um, I bought this historic building in the railroad district of Ashland Mm -hmm. and painstakingly restored it to the T. I'm just so proud of the work on this building. It's 542A Street where Coquina Restaurant is now. Okay. Yeah. Do you still own it? or I, I still own the building. Awesome. Don't own the business. Oh, I don't have that talent. That's owned by Lynn <laughs> I think Flatley. that's the best way that, to do, right? Yeah. Just you guys take care of it. I'll, oh. I'll take care of the building. You take care of the restaurant. Lynn is doing a phenomenal job there. The menus are so inspired and, and so delicious. So you want to open this wine and cheese bar. At the time, was that... Was that a thing in Ashland that it was needed? Were there other wine and cheese bars? There wasn't. This was the time before yeah. wine and cheese bars, yeah. really. Uh, and so I thought this would be a great idea and thought I would serve up some espresso in the morning as well. And it would just be a, a really nice gathering yeah. place to meet people. And it became my focus. And I was needing cheese and that led me to the Rogue Creamery. Okay, so so you're obviously doing your research on this. Oh, completely. Okay. Gathered the wines, knew which wines okay. I wanted, um, had an idea for the cheeses, went to New England, gathered some cheeses, and everybody said, you know, consider the creamery in your own backyard. Did you even know it existed? I didn't even know it existed. Okay. I and, was surprised. And it was um, Rogue Creamery. In it, Central Point? Yeah. At that time, it was called the Rogue River Valley Creamery. Rogue River Valley Creamery. What a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, so you go there. I did. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was really a capsule in time. Mm-hmm. You know, went in the front door, and then there was, to my right, a sliding glass door, and you had to ring a buzzer, mm-hmm. and someone would come up and... And mm-hmm. they say if, ask if they could be of help and say, well, yeah, I'd like to take a look at the cheese. And so went into this um, small showroom, basically 10 feet by 10 feet, yeah. and looked at the inventory of blue cheese, cheddar cheese, and farmer's cheese. What's, what's farmer's cheese? <laughs> it's a, um, a semi-soft cheese okay. that is similar to, I think, consistency of a high moisture Monterey Jack, and it's made out of um, cow milk, uh, and it was brought in. Um, it wasn't actually made there; it was actually brought in from Wisconsin. So mm. they had three varieties of cheese, and so I was most interested in the classic signature Oregon Blue Vein cheese. Okay, and a new cheese I had discovered there was. Organzola. I didn't even know that that brand existed, so I was quite taken with it. And um, what blue cheese existed in this shop when you were there? Just the two. Just the two. Okay. The classic signature, uh, Oregon Blue Vein, is what it was called, as well as Organzola. Just two cheeses and a yellow cheddar. Called my favorite kind. Cheddar. Yum. <laughs> yeah. Delish. So do you decide to use some of these cheeses for your cheese shop? I did. Okay. And I, I wanted to meet the proprietor. And a friend of mine introduced me at a later time with a proprietor, mm-hmm. uh, Ignacio Vela. Ig. Ig. 
as he was known. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I knew him. Was yeah. was Ig. Um, talk to me a little bit about Ig from Italy. Right. Well, his father Gaetano Vella was from Sicily, and Ig was actually born in Sonoma, and mm-hmm. he um, also worked alongside of his dad, and uh, really enjoyed working at the creamery, uh, making cheese in Sonoma. Um, his father traveled up to Southern Oregon to uh, work at Road Creamery for 15 days a month. And so Ig spent a number of days up here in Southern Oregon mm-hmm. um, just enjoying Central Point, making cheese alongside of his d- dad, and mm-hmm. also fly fishing. So mm. a lot of similarities in life. Really? Yeah. Creating, That's pretty awesome. Um, uh, food with his hands mm-hmm. as well as really enjoying the outdoors. Okay, so you meet Ig. What are your first thoughts? Well, wow. <laughs> I was taken back. Yeah? Yeah, a powerful personality. Yes, very powerful. And he really spoke sharply. And I um, was very impressed by his presence. Uh, he decided to take me on a tour. Um, and when I say his presence, speaking about a person who could dress dapperly with his sport coat, really? and his vest, and his hmm. bolo tie, and his hat. So, we, yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. Oh, fond, fond memories of that individual and many, many conversations around cheese. Did he take over the creamery for, from his dad? He did. Okay. Yeah. Do you so, remember, do you know what that was? Yeah, that was in 1998. 98. Yeah. Okay. So he took over for his dad and then he, this creamery became his. It did. Okay. And so he was working in both Sonoma at Vela Cheese mm-hmm. and also working at Rogue Creamery. Okay. Wow. Or Rogue River Valley Creamery, as it was called. So, I mean, you guys have this conversation and... Yeah, and um, he had some of the classic signature Oregon Blue Vein cheese at the table in the family's cottage, which was just north Mm -hmm. of the property. It's Mm -hmm. still there. The building's still there. We use it as a cheesemaker's cottage. So it's where we create new ideas for cheese. But we were sitting there at the kitchen table and enjoying a cup of coffee. And uh, I shared with Mr. Vela I would like to um, highlight his cheese in my menu, Mm -hmm. tell his story, If he would give me permission to do that, I would be honored. And he looked at me, he reached into his pocket, and he threw his keys down on the table. And he said, if you want my cheese, you're going to have to make it yourself. No way. He did. I was just in shock. He said, I'm going to close her down. You have three weeks to decide. And I'm like, what just got thrown my way? So he literally was saying, if you if you want to make this, if you want to make cheese for your cheese, or if you want cheese for your cheese shop, you're gonna have to make it yourself. Yeah, he was ready to close it down. Did you know, really, you didn't know this? No, and just focus on the creamery in Sonoma, Vela Cheese. So wow, it was a big surprise. So the other surprise was when he handed me his keys. He said. It's an open book policy here. Take a look around. There were no books. It was just taking a look around and making my best judgment or misjudgment as to the value of the company and 
what the future could hold. What's going through your brain at this point? Oh, I was just uh, taken so far back. I had a wine bar in my scope of vision. Right, not ch- not a not I a creamery. Hard to restore this building and open this yeah. up and embrace my community. And what I thought, what a great way to open the doors and embrace a community as well as save an iconic brand that I grew up with. That Oregon classic blue vein cheese was always in our refrigerator in Olympia, Washington. Was it really? It was, as well as rogue gold cheese, which is that gold cheddar, that um, beautiful um, yellow cheddar made there, along with, of course, Tillamook. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, the classic signature Oregon blue vein was always in the fridge. So I guess I'm shocked that you were even considering this. Like, you didn't just laugh at that turn around and say, never mind, we'll find cheese somewhere else. No, I I kind of sat back. I took it all in, and I said I would take him up on the offer, and I would get back to him in three weeks. Okay. And the next day, I woke up um, afraid of what I just offered. Yeah. Did you have a little bit of remorse? I did. I didn't know the cheese industry. Mm. And so I threw out a counter offer. I'd like to throw him an offer in three weeks and provide him with that offer if I enjoyed making cheese. Okay. So I would make cheese with him Mm -hmm. in three weeks. Mm -hmm. At the end of that day, if I liked it, he would get my offer. Really? Yeah. And? And? (laughs) Wait, let me guess. (laughs) Let me guess what happened next. (laughs) I really, really loved it. Okay. It was physical. It was work with my hands. Yeah. It was a sense of accomplishment, looking at the wheels of cheese that Mm -hmm. you created, and knowing that you're going to feed a number of households with this delicious sustenance Mm -hmm. that was created sustainably, Mm -hmm. organically. And with passion. Yeah. And you weren't alone in this. You had a partner with you. I did. Okay. I did. And the two of you decided, let's go for it. We said, let's do it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I really couldn't have done it alone at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my parents were there, too, to support us as well. So on many levels, financially and um, with uh, helping bring the buildings up to spec. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Ig actually, didn't he stay on for a while? He did. Uh, in his contract, he was employed to come up uh, basically uh, a week a month. Mm-hmm. But after he spoke to his wife, uh, Sal Vela, Sal had shared with him that she wanted to help make us successful. Mm-hmm. And so he made a commitment to work along my side for a year. Okay. And he stayed there and worked with us for a whole year. And basically, we shared every meal together. Mm. And uh, we worked together every day. And uh, yeah, I learned so much from him. Ig was known as the godfather of the American Artisan Cheese Movement. And he was awarded the first Lifetime Achievement Award mm-hmm. by the American Cheese Society. And just such an iconic figure in artisan cheese Mm. yeah when did he pass away oh my gosh Mm. 
want to say, I'd have to look that up, dear. Oh, yeah. no, it's fine. I know I just put you on the spot. I was just going to say, we can clink to egg. Let's clink to egg. I like that. Yeah. A, a fabulous man and really the guy who made all of this possible for you. He did. He saw something in myself and in Carrie mm -hmm. to take it to another level. And, and Car Carrie's background was in, like, chemistry he, or he, he had uh, an undergraduate degree in science and okay. um he also created um uh, magnets so he was a magnet for magnets. perfect fit for <laughs> yeah. a creamery yeah right so so, so our 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 refrigerator doors were covered of course so and in those doors there was uh, stores and stores of cheese of course so at this point do you both launch into learning everything you can about cheese everything making? taking every short course in cheese a short course is mm -hmm. a week to two week course in cheese making mm -hmm. at an artisan level or a farmstead level and just learning everything about it from the science um, to uh, the affinage, the aging mm -hmm. of cheese and, and learning every recipe we could from camembert to cheddar to uh, jack and of course blue cheese. And you wanted to expand what the creamery offered? Yeah, I wanted to um, take an approach in business that was sustainable. Mm -hmm. It really had um, the community and the environment uh, in its uh, sites to make a difference, a mm -hmm. having a positive impact locally and regionally. So, um, and taking it to that sustainable level that we knew it, it could sustain mm -hmm. beyond our lifetime. So who created, which we should actually mention, this is the Rogue, Rogue River Blue. Rogue River Blue. It is. This is uh, recently named the world's best cheese. Not the world's best blue cheese, the world's best cheese. Yes, yes. So at the, it's helped me, it's the international. The World Cheese Awards. The World Cheese Awards. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, when you, when, let's back up, I guess, a little bit. In 2000, when did you take over the creamery? In 2002. Right. Was it, I think it was the following year? Yep, the following year. So I created this cheese in 2002. This cheese? I did. You created this? Uh -huh. In the autumn of 2002. Where did this idea came it from, come from? Age. Well, I discovered um, these wheels of organ blue. Okay. In the cheese caves at Rogue Creamery. It had these just beautiful rinds, very delicate with yeast and Brevet bacterium, and just really tacky, but in 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 its its touch, but in flavor, just such a discovery of um, of toasted hazelnuts and and fruit uh, and berries and mm -hmm. um, and a sweetness and a savory note as well that. A lot of people hearken to uh, maybe pancetta or even bacon fat. Okay, right? okay. The same, right? But uh, it's uh, so um, I thought about what I had discovered in the cheese caves of um, Rogue Creamery and how to preserve and nurture that rind and how to recreate it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I continued to work on that 
and in the process thinking about um, preserving the rind not in plastic because the rind would just peel away and go away and that's part of the experience but uh, thinking about um, actually creating um, a package that was edible so grape leaves of course with the dumbest and such, I mm-hmm. thought would work well. And so I went to a local experimental vineyard, uh, and that was at Eden Farms, uh, and was tasting varieties of grape leaves there. Okay. From Chardonnay to Zinvendel to Petite Syrah and Syrah, and kept coming back to Syrah again and again. I wanted to go to Pinot Noir because of the popularity of Pinot Noir, but right. I just kept coming back to Syrah. Syrah leaves. And I knew it was right. And then I needed a way to sanitize and preserve the leaves, right? Uh, and that was through um, a discovery I had made a few years ago with enjoying Um, brandy and Mm -hmm. pear spirits by Clear Creek Distillery out of Portland. Mm -hmm. So I called um, the proprietor up there, Steve, uh, and spoke to Steve and said, hey, I'd like to use your brandy to preserve my grape leaves. And he just hung up the phone. (laughs) So I thought, well, the only way for me to get around this was to actually buy it from the Oregon State Liquor Control stores all over southern Oregon. So from Ashland to Eugene, I just bought that expensive brandy and would pour it in a vat and put the leaves in to preserve the leaves. Okay. And uh, I hope the relationship has changed since then. Completely. Okay. He called me. He called me and said, are you the fellow who wanted to use my pear spirits for um, preserving (laughs) grape leaves? I said, I am. He said, well, I discovered your name, and I found your number um, by calling Rogue Creamery, and I wanted to talk to you about that. There's a better way, a cheaper way, than buying (laughs) bottles of pear spirits from Ashland to Eugene. You're paying the taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm only using it as a process to sanitize and preserve Mm -hmm. those leaves and to store those leaves. So uh, we worked up a deal and he made up, (laughs) uh, yeah, carboys each year. Um, So five Mm -hmm. gallon jugs of this, uh, the spirits for me to use. I love it. And so you took those leaves that have been essentially steeped, I guess, in pear brandy, Mm -hmm. wrap them around these wheels and then Rogue River Blue. And then Rogue River Blue. And so by wrapping the wheel, um, it really, encapsulates um, the flavors Mm -hmm. of the Rogue Valley. So you think about the Syrah grape leaves, which are so predominant Mm -hmm. here, right? Um, And you think about the pear spirits, and everywhere we look, there's pear orchards from Harry and David to Namas. There's such a history of pear orchards. And, of course, our milk comes from our own dairy mm-hmm. uh, in Grant's Pass. And so that flavor from our organic cows grazing on organic native pastures bordering the Rogue River, all that flavor from the milk yes. to the wrapping 
is it, it just encapsulates not mm-hmm. only the spirit and the personality of the Rogue Valley, but the flavor. So this cheese specifically, I th- was it 2002 or 2003? 2003, Three. a year later after I created it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It You guys submit it to the World Cheese Awards? Uh-huh. And it was in London, England that year. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little unnerved. Um, this was a new adventure to mm-hmm. wrap uh, blue cheese and grape leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, it was unheard of. Mm-hmm. But the flavor was so distinctive, so distinctively Rogue Valley, Southern Oregon. Um, I, I felt like it was necessary to do and also to understand how the judges would perceive it. And they liked it. They loved it. <laughs> they loved it. Mm-hmm. It not only won the category for best blue cheese over all blue cheeses worldwide, it won reserve champion over all cheeses worldwide. That was like the bottle shock of the cheese mm-hmm. world. It was, you know, if you're, you know, bottle shock in 1976 when. Uh, Chateau Montalino won the um, um, the panel tasting in Paris, France. It just turned the world eyes on Napa. Well, this turned the world's eyes on Rogue Creamery, Central Point, Central Oregon. Central Point, Oregon. And you joined me for an I interview did. right after that. That was, and I mean, that was a few months. After you guys said, yeah, Ig, we'll take this creamery over. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty huge. It is pretty huge. It was a year, actually, uh, it was basically um, a year and three months. Yeah. I was going to say a year and a day. But yeah. No, no yeah. a year and three months. Right, right. That's pretty amazing. So uh, it, it really changed the course of the business for Rogue Creamery. How it, so? Oh, my gosh, the reach the interest in um, having a wheel of Rogue River mm-hmm. uh, actually came from all over the world, mm-hmm. from Japan to Australia to the EU. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it um, is and was uh, a raw milk cheese at that time. Right. So we're still creating raw milk Rogue River Blue for the EU. And for the U.S., we're making it pasteurized as well as for Australia. But it took some time. I had to create a health certificate mm-hmm. um, and work with um, the USDA in doing that. It took nearly four years. So Because you couldn't ex- um, export these raw milk cheeses. Outside of the U.S. Right. into the EU. And you had some pretty important people who were wanting this cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Name one. Oh, my gosh. Well... You know, I, 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 I <laughs> you can totally brag. This is this is a safe space. Oh yes. Well, um, I mean, the Queen wanted your cheese. It's true, Her Majesty, the, the queen. queen, and she asked for a wheel through her um, cheese shop, the Crown's Cheese Shop. And you're you're like, I'm sorry, Your Majesty, but we have rules here, and we can't send you this cheese. Is that obviously you were getting inundated with? people outside of the U.S. And so you were thinking, something's got to change. We've got to get people this cheese. Yeah. It's important. We worked really closely with legislators to make it happen and to get a certificate Mm -hmm. to export cheese into the EU. And that was accomplished by the end of 2007. And the first 
cheeses that were of the raw milk mm -hmm. variety to get into the EU landed in 2008. Wow. Something I'm really proud of. As you should be. That's, yeah. That's pretty amazing. So it, it just took a lot of perseverance mm -hmm. and, um, and just a lot of steadfast work and also a lot of work to um, assure customers that wanted it in the EU that it would eventually get there. Right. I feel like at this point, this is when you guys as a team at Rogue Creamery decided to create a lot more flavors. Right. You're right. And so it just really started to evolve. And um, I love the process of product development and, and, and creating new experiences. Mm -hmm. And I found that in creating new recipes in cheese from Crater Lake Blue, mm -hmm. which is another American original using a variety of cultures and blue in a different way. Because in America as cheesemakers, yes, our foundation is traditional, but yet there are no boundaries for us in cheesemaking. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to create a recipe um, that has been created for multiple generations. So um, we're allowed to think um, out of the vat, as you would say in nice. cheese, <laughs> right? Uh, and combine different blue cheese recipes mm -hmm. from tradition mm -hmm. in creating something unique and distinctive as Rogue River Blue exactly. is, Florinelle, Caveman mm -hmm. Blue, Crater Lake Blue, um, Blue Horn, and the list just continues. It really does. Yeah. Florinelle's my favorite. Yeah. It's my fave. So, yeah. Well, okay, so let's, blue cheese. A cheese that touches me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Blue cheese starts how? So it starts in the vat, like all cheeses. Mm -hmm. So um, you add milk to the vat. Cow's milk. Right. Or you can add goat or um, sheep or mm -hmm. uh, blended um, okay. uh, uh, assortment of milk. So meaning uh, for Echo Mountain Blue, we're using cow and goat. Oh, okay. So, uh, but yeah, so um, using um, cow milk uh, and we, we then heat it up mm -hmm. to um, a, a temp in raw milk about the temp of the animal. So not to gotcha. uh, take the integrity or to pasteurize those natural bacteria mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. um, in a pasteurized cheese, we're raising it up to about 161 degrees Fahrenheit okay. and holding that for a specific temp. Uh, and, then, um, and then we're adding more cultures to that to add to the flavor okay. and the depth. And then in blue cheese, we're also adding the mold to it and then the enzymes. The enzymes are what coagulate it and get it to set into that flan consistency mm -hmm. and allows us to hand cut it into curd. So the curd is what we use to create the cheese okay. and then the whey goes away. And actually we have a number of neighbors who use it to um, fertilize their, their uh, vineyards as well as mm -hmm. neighbors who use it to uh, feed their pigs as well as their heifers, the young cows. So. The, the cultures, the enzymes, the mold all goes in, and then 
you're left with blue cheese curds. Right. So you, we're left with these lovely curds that are um, very delicate in nature. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the blue uh, comes through the uh, penicillin I wrote 40, the mold that we actually put into the mm -hmm. vat. And um, that's actually in the curd. Okay. So um, as well as in the way that went away. But uh, mm. what happens then is we're hand dipping the curd out of the vat into hoops, these round okay. stainless steel hoops. And then we flip those hoops uh, throughout the rest of the afternoon and the day. And that creates the shape of a wheel. Mm -hmm. So the um, curd is then knitting together to create the shape of the wheel in the hoop. Uh, and then in the morning, we'll take the wheel out of the hoop. We'll salt it by hand and then put it in our aging caves mm -hmm. where the real magic starts. Yes. Because the cheese wheels are inoculated by um, the bacteria and the fungus that have created a relationship in that room with the cheese for now over eight decades. Exactly. So do you actually inject anything into you the know, wheels? That's a lot of people think that. Yeah, because Trish. when you yeah. open it up, it looks like you've injected. Right, right. So what we're doing is we're perforating by hand okay. veins into the wheel. Hmm. And by doing that, we're exchanging the gases that are created by the cultures mm -hmm. with oxygen okay. by opening up the wheel and allowing oxygen to go into the wheel. And the gases that are created by the cultures create these lovely little pockets, mm -hmm. which we call cheese caves, in the wheel. So when you <laughs> cut open a wheel of cheese. Yeah, you're going to um, show us a little yeah. show and tell. You'll get these just lovely little pockets, as right. you can see right here. And that's where the Penicillae Roquefortii will develop. And then, as you noted earlier, you get these veins. So exactly. It, where one would interpret that as an injection of Penicillae Roquefortii. Mm -hmm. But no, actually, that's where we've hand-pierced the wheel to allow the oxygen to go into the wheel of right. cheese. And that's what's creating so much blue along that vein and thereby the original historical name organ blue vein cheese yes right this is a blue vein cheese because when you took this out of the package this wasn't blue it was kind of a more of a yellowy yeah, color yeah, but when it hits that oxygen that's when it turns blues blue. right right so you can see that penicillin roquefort interesting come alive okay yeah and so with cheddar then it's a little it starts the same right yeah, yes, it does. Milk and, in, a, in a large vat. Right. And so, and it just changes by the input. So we're not adding Penicillae Roquefortii, no. but we're adding different cultures. We're not looking for gas-making cultures in that, but we're adding um, Monterey Jack cultures as well as we're adding American mm. uh, cheddar cultures to that. And I believe this is correct because you gave me a lesson on cheddar when we first met, but the process of cheddaring right. is actually taking the cheese and flipping it onto itself. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually where cheddar gets its name from. It does. So that, and it also comes from a place in the UK, the, the Cheddar UK. Mm. So that's where this cheese was made. Okay. And the process of cheddaring actually uh, came to 
of uh, be acknowledged in Cheddar UK mm-hmm. by actually cheddaring, which is we create these tiles of cheddar. We allow the curd to actually knit on the bottom of the vat, yeah. where we're actually letting the curd knit in the wheels into the cheese forms mm-hmm. in the blue cheese. So we're not allowing them to rest. So we're harvesting those mm-hmm. um, cheddar or those blue curds and putting them into hoops and letting them knit in the hoop. In the cheddar process, we're allowing the cheddar curds to knit at the bottom of the vat. Right. And we're cutting them into tiles yes. and then lifting them and then stacking them one high, two high, three high, four high, five high, and then back down to one, two, three, four, five, about an hour process to really create a tight knit. Mm -hmm. That's what the pressure is doing as we stack those cheddar tiles up. But it's also pushing out the way, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. cheddar is a semi-hard cheese and the blue is a semi-soft cheese. Right. And then we take those cheddar tiles a step further and we actually will cut them into curd again Mm -hmm. and then we'll salt them that extracts more of the way away and then we'll hand dip the curd out of the vat that we've actually cut and salted and put those into square hoops and press them so you get a real tight knit Mm -hmm. that we know from um, cheddar, so you don't have those pockets like you would have exactly. in a blue cheese. So you have a semi-hard cheese in cheddar and a semi-soft in the blue. What a lesson. I hope you get to come out and make cheese with me again soon. Please. That would be wonderful. Let's make a date for that. Uh, and then the blue cheeses, you, you said, they have to be manhandled for a while, right? I love that. We people handle them at Row Creamery. <laughs> Not just men. <laughs> right. All kinds. Right. People handle. So many talented cheesemakers. Turning. Men, women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're uh, um, what we call, um, they're doing affinage. So they're turning, flipping, salting, okay. piercing. Um, and just nurturing the development of those wheels over time in right. our cheese caves. Awesome. It's such a neat process to actually I've seen I've seen cheddar in the works. I, I've only kind of seen part of the blue cheese process, but I want you to see it all. Okay, so, yeah. I would love to. And then just recently, or not recently, I guess maybe a few years ago, the the farm came in to. Yeah, the works in 2012. Yes, I acquired the farm. I just saw such an economic challenge in daring. And um, I saw many farms along Lower River Road and Grants Pass and Mm -hmm. in the Applegate um, being actually acquired by vineyards and and reinventing themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I selfishly bought an organic dairy farm because, of course, we need milk to Mm -hmm. create the world's finest handmade cheese, which is mm-hmm. part of our mission. Absolutely. So bought this organic farm and created an eco-cow palace. It's solar-powered. It has two robots that milk the cows, and we have two um, brush massagers for the cows, and the cows are um, they're grazers, so they get to go inside of 
um, the pavilion, the mm -hmm. Eagle Cow Palace, and they <laughs> then travel outside um, and eat uh, in beautifully cared-for pastures that are set up in paddocks. So it's an intensive grazing program that is really focused on soil health mm -hmm. and creating uh, a focus in healthy soil. You're creating healthy pastures, but you're also um, storing carbon mm -hmm. and rainwater. Mm -hmm. So those pastures are green year-round. Uh, and that translates into super delicious milk, then that is focused into amazingly delicious, umami-licious cheese. Right, which is why you're here. I mean, right. this is what, it, it all really does come down to that product, but it starts with the grass. It does. The soil. They, it's right there with the soil. So, mm -hmm. And uh, we are committed to healthy soil and taking a soil first approach mm -hmm. in what we do and that translates into just these luscious pastures that our cows enjoy and it's just so peaceful and beautiful watching our cows out there grazing i bet yeah they're pretty cute i've and seen some pictures on facebook yeah <laughs> cute cows um just a few years ago also there was a new partnership for rogue creamery there was yeah and it's now um into its second year how's it going oh it's going really well very supportive partners from france so my first partner decided to relocate um in his home uh on the east coast mm -hmm. so he moved back and uh, with that opportunity, I brought in a new partner. Because you were essentially left not alone with this business, but it, now it was all on you. It was, yeah. And so was that a lot, lot of heavy lifting there. Was yeah. that a lot? It was, honestly. Let's be frank. Let's you know. be real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was so a lot of stress. A lot of uh, hard work you know, on the business side and on the marketing side mm -hmm. and the make and science side, as well as the herd management side. Certainly, I'm surrounded by the most talented group of individuals. Right. Um, but there are decisions to be made on a daily basis. Mm, they're all on you. Yeah. Yeah. So the team really um, lifts a lot, and it's a lot to ask um, for everyone to step up to that ownership level. Yeah. And the team wholeheartedly took ownership but it was time to bring in a new partner mm -hmm. to uh, just take that responsibility uh, that an owner takes and distribute it evenly mm -hmm. so um, and what that allowed us to do is um, further our reach um, invest further in our cheese production invest further in creating more inventory mm -hmm. and the ability to age that inventory longer, which is, it becomes more and more delicious as right. we will taste this cheese's age mm -hmm. um, about 14 months, so. Wow, yeah. okay. And so that takes capital, mm -hmm. and uh, I have a strong capital uh, investor who is very interested in investing in the Rogue Valley, in Rogue Creamery, and its team members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when this partnership happened, I know you and I actually did a little story on it, but nothing really changed. 
within no, the Rogue Creamery? Nothing. Yeah. I still lead it. Uh, mm-hmm. The team is still um, um, charged with their areas of responsibility. And it's a team approach in all that we do. Mm-hmm. And we remain a social benefit company. That is a business that is established for um, doing good in all that we do as a business. And so uh, it fits with that motto Mm -hmm. that my father gave me, Mm -hmm. right? Doing the right thing and to be gracious Mm. at every step. And so um, it's allowed Road Creamery to be a business um, using business as a force of good. We like to use cheese mm-hmm. as that force of good. And Very smart. Yeah. And so, and, and making a difference um, socially. So that's in our community. Mm-hmm. Economically, mm-hmm. through the wages, through the banks that we align with, and through the vendors that we support. And environmentally, um, we're continuing to grow our photovoltaic presence and really invested into rehabilitation of the wetlands that are adjacent to our dairy as well as focused on building topsoil and um, and conserving energy and valuable resources uh, through recycling conserving energy yeah yeah well this community certainly appreciates the road creamery and all that you guys do i Um, appreciate this community. i know you do i know you do i couldn't be here today without the support of this community, Trish. You know, it's through the support of the community that allowed us to grow this business Mm -hmm. sustainably, step by step by step. Right. We're not the queen, but we (laughs) love you just the same. Um, We we are going to wrap up and get to the final three, but before we do that, just a few months ago, as we mentioned, Rogue River Blue won World's Best Cheese. Unbelievable. Where were the the awards were held where this year? In Bergamo, Italy. In Italy. Um, You weren't there. No, no. And uh, why I say that, this is, it's still, it's just um, otherworldly, this news. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how'd you find out? I was wearing my headlamp in my cow field, uh, bucking hay in the feeder, in the hay feeder. And uh, as I was bucking the hay, blew an ox that lives on property mm. with these 20 beautiful heifers that I'm raising to eventually go yeah. back to the dairy, was kind of wrestling this hay with his uh, horns and his head. And I, my phone was just going off crazily in okay. my pocket. So okay. I get a bale of hay in the feeder. I, I cut the twine, put that in my pocket, look at the phone, and I noticed it was Kathy Strange from Whole Foods Market. And I thought, this is odd. She's called me like eight times. So I called her back and no answer. And then a, a FaceTime was coming in. Okay. And I thought, well, this is somewhat concerning. Um, something's going on. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ran up to the house to get close to Wi-Fi and to get on FaceTime. And it's a colleague uh, from the U.K., but he wasn't in the U.K. He said, hi, this is Jason, David. You did it. I'm calling you from Bergamo, Italy. I was like, what? Yeah, Bergamo, Italy. He's like, you did it. And we did what? <laughs> he said, you won. 
we won what? <laughs> it was really hard to understand at that moment yeah. what we had done. And I was wearing my overalls and my school cap and my headlamp. And Jason said, you won best cheese over all cheeses. And David, I can see you're in shock. So I'm just going to show you the audience. And he <gasps> did. And everyone was applauding and cheering and there were some tears oh. and the cheese was up on a cheese board yeah. with the award i was just i just get chills thinking about that that's moment amazing. today that's amazing and uh it was just such a powerful moment for the team mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. for the community mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just so grateful for everyone who's been a part of this journey and for the judges being open to this cheese because it is a distinctive experience. Very much so. It's like no other blue in the world. Nope. It, nope. <laughs> yeah. It expresses blue flavor like there is no... Um, there's no way to describe it other than tasting it right. yourself. It's just, um, it, it is Rogue River Blue. It's, it's, it's blue and piquant and fruity from the center. It's really spicy, but then it gets sweet, and there's hints of milk chocolate and vanilla and toasted hazelnuts and uh, Oregon truffles, and it just continues with these mm -hmm. flavors, and... Then as you get to the rind, you get these savory notes that many describe as a hint of bacon flavor. Mm -hmm. And then the leaf is delicious and edible as well. So it's, it's such um, a representation of this idyllic, beautiful valley we it live really in. It really is. I was just going to say that. Uh, a flavor that is like no other. It's it's you know I you you taste this cheese and you can close your eyes and picture the Rogue Valley. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Very 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 much very well deserved I, I would say and I'm just when I heard the news I was just very proud of you and and proud of this company. I have nothing to do with it but it just it kind of warms your heart. I appreciated your call and inviting me on station. Yes. To be a part. That's right. Of and you brought us all cheese. News. I did. I did. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. Always bringing cheese. Um, well, again, it's just a, it's a very it's a huge honor, and um, I know for everyone here in Southern Oregon, we were kind of all very proud of you because a lot of us have grown up with the Rogue Creamery. Oh, and have picked leaves with me I know. at vineyards. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And have so, been really there cool. from day one. Mm -hmm. So it's, what would what would Ig say about this award? Mm. You know, there's, I think there are two things he would say. One, he'd look at me, he'd nod and say, geez, it doesn't tell time. And what he means by that, a cheese tells its time when it's ready. Mm. And you know only when it's ready mm -hmm. by tasting it along its journey. And so... This cheese ages just over a year and is perfect when it's released. Love so, it. and no lot 
is specific to that one-year release. Mm -hmm. I taste a wheel from every lot before I release Rogue River Blue with my team. And we're like, yes, let's stage the release out like this. And so cheese doesn't tell time. Doesn't tell time. Okay. And he'd remind me that cheese making is work. It's more work. And it's even more work. Mm, Very nice. There's no romance in cheese making. (laughs) It's work and passion. I love it. Aw, egg. That's the best. All right, let's get to the final three. Uh, best advice you've ever been given? Uh, it's my father, mm-hmm. truly. And uh, it's always doing the right thing and being gracious along that journey. Okay, yeah. I like that. Uh, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would bring you back here? What would you miss the most? I would miss the community, those individuals in the community, mm-hmm. like yourself. Mm-hmm. It's landscape, it's geography, and the activities that that geography and landscape offer. And, of course, the food. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, final meal, final drink, what would that look like, sir? Oh, my gosh. So, I would... I know what you texted me. <laughs> And I've been thinking about the answer of this question, and it he, would have he to be. texted me cheese and beer. <laughs> and I really tried to go beyond that. And I'd have to say I would just have a plate of cheese. Perfect. And Rogue creamery cheese? Rogue creamery cheese. Okay. Yeah. And I would also pair that with local brews. Um, yeah. Interesting. From Caldera to Walkabout and uh, okay. enjoy that cheese with those um, beers and uh, and savor that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I would enjoy it with uh, some coquette bread. Mm, now you're yeah. talking. And uh, some lovely preserves by Angel Farms. There's a rose petal preserve that goes remarkably well with the Rogue River Blue. So even on the way out, you're still pushing local. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Oh, it's it's in my blood. It really is. Yeah. David, this has been a lot of fun. It's been great fun. I learned some new things about you. Thank you for inviting me to be on. Well, thank you for being here. And I don't want to be there on your final day, but let's do cheese and beer sometime soon. Let's do it. That'd be fun, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll make it happen. Let's do it this spring. Okay. <laughs> Done. And Done. I love my new cup. Thank I know. you. You're so cute. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple's podcast app and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. We're also on Stitcher and Google Play and now on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, you can also find the video portion at ktvl.com. Just click on features and then off script one more time. My very sweet friend, Mr. Blue, David Kremmels of the Rogue Creamery. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Trish. I've enjoyed every moment.